Episode 15, The Paul George Show welcomes Andrea Thomas. We really wanted a series that was raw and honest and gave music for people that could encounter God because guess what? He came down to earth and it was awkward and messy. You know, sometimes we romanticize the nativity story, but if you think about it, poor Mary, she gave birth in a cave and it was probably cold and uncomfortable and, you know, cattle stuff everywhere. It was just, it wasn't the ideal picture. How often do we feel that about our own families? The Paul George Show. Welcome to the Paul George Show discussing the vigil project art and kangaroo boxing a co-production of christ our king radio and bread box media here's your host paul george welcome to the show it's paul george uh in studio today casey trohan's back in action casey how's it going man it is going well is it going good or is it going well i don't know i don't really care i'm not really a grammar machine myself but. <laughs> yeah I don't know. Everybody says something different. But anyway, great show today. I'm excited uh, to have Andrea Thomas from The Vigil Project as a guest today. So she'll be on later. Casey, I'm pretty random about finding things on the interwebs. I know. But I found something this week that really caught my attention. You really are. You're worse than a teenager when it comes to that. Yeah, but I know. But this is relevant news. <laughs> All right. So, I, so I don't know if you saw this, but uh, there's a guy who's walking through like a field and his dog gets attacked by a kangaroo. Actually, that one I did see. Okay. And so, he goes like punches it in the face. Yeah. So here, here's the thing is the kangaroo. Now, this is a wild kangaroo. So this is like domesticated kangaroo, like a pet kangaroo. So everybody who's like, ah, oh, it's a pet. So obviously that down under. <laughs> yeah, down under. So if, if you've ever been to Australia, you no. realize that that kangaroos are there and they're wild. You know, it's like deer running around or something, you know? And so this kangaroo grabs this man's dog. Now, this is a big dog. This is not like a puppy dog. This is not like a small little, you know, thingamajiggy. Uh, This is a big dog. Well, kangaroo, when it's standing on its hind legs, looks like it's about six feet tall. Like it's a big, big boy. (laughs) Grabs a dog by the neck and begins to strangle it. For what reason, you think? I don't know. Baby felt threatened. I don't know. I, but it looked like he was about to kill the dog, which is scary. So this man, this is this man's dog, runs up to the kangaroo. Now, Casey, what would you do if you were in that situation? Bye, dog. Sorry. <laughs> I, lo- I loved you. You wouldn't know what to do, right? I mean, it's no. pretty pretty scary. So this guy walks up to the kangaroo and kind of starts to like box it. Like like it's like got its hands up and the kangaroos kind of stand there. They look like they're kind of like in a boxing uh-huh. ring together. The art of manliness, the yeah. cartoons where the kangaroo has the boxing yeah. gloves and everything. Yeah, yeah. And it's the dogs, awesome. the, and then the guy just like punches the kangaroo like it, like it's a, you know, like they're in a, like a real fight, you know, and this kangaroo is like six feet tall where well, the dog runs, the guy takes off running, the kangaroo takes off running. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> So I guess the moral of that story is if you just punch someone or something in the face. Yeah, but this wasn't a someone. This is a wild kangaroo. I wouldn't suggest punching anyone unless they're like strangling like your child or like trying to, you know, beat you up or something like that. Like, yeah, certainly there are times in life where you do have to kind of fight. Justification for violence. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't suggest it, but if someone had one of your kids or, you know, like, you know, like you certainly like would just be like, hey, yeah, just just take it. You know, no big deal. You get that right hook. Yeah, that right, right hook from Welsh, Louisiana. <laughs> That's right, the mean streets, <laughs> the mean streets of Welsh. Anyway, I just thought that 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 uh, you have to go to Australia. By the way, how many times have you been to Australia? I've been once, but if you go to the zoo, you can actually pet a kangaroo. 
they're kind of tame. So, in Australia, do you think they have just like, I don't know, bobcats and deer, all these North America regular animals instead of all these exotic... I guess they'd have the African animals because they're not Africa. But right. does the Australian zoo just have a bunch of exotic Australian animals or is that just normal for them? It's like it's versions of what we have here. You know, like we have, say, white-tailed deer. They'll have some type of deer there, but it's a, you know, Australian version of it. You know, mm. like a, I don't know what you call them. Uh, I'm trying to think. They have mule deer in Australia, I think. Yeah, yeah. Axis deer, stuff mm. like that. Interesting. Um, so... Anyway, we went to the I went to the Steve Irwin Zoo. You know the the famous mm-hmm. um, crocodile hunter. Crocodile hunter. So th- there's a zoo in Brisbane, Australia, named after him or that he started or whatever. Wow. Huge, huge zoo. You can pet a kangaroo, and, and it won't punch me. No, it won't. It, they usually don't. They're kind of smaller than ones in the zoo. Um, so, hey, Casey, I was um, I was going through the archives of my '80s music. Which is extensive. Which is extensive. And you know that I am a sucker for 80s music. Uh, anyway, I came across a number one hit back in the 80s. Now, I know you're thinking, where is Paul going on this? Here's where I'm going. This is a number one hit on the pop charts. For all my life, I had no idea what they were saying in the chorus. Okay? It came on the radio the other day. I was like, man, I love this song. It brings me back. You know, <laughs> it just brings me back. I had the windows down, you know. And I was like, like, what are they saying? And then I kind of piece it together and then I looked it up. Now that the, the internet's out there, uh, you can look up things. I don't know if you know that. And they are saying Latin, Kyrie eleison. Okay. Which means Lord have mercy. And this was in the 80s. Okay, like, this is a group. Mullets and members only. Mullets and members only. The group called Mr. Mister that had number one hits on the top charts. We got to play a piece of it. All right, let me find this. Let's see what we got. Now, those people around my age are recognizing the song right now. Which is not me. You weren't born yet, Casey. Have you heard this song before? Never. The video is outstanding. Catchy. Here it is. You hear it? Yeah. Yep. My good friend, Father Sibley could totally do a theology on this song. So anyway, this 80s song, the the, the, the chorus is, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. I wonder, I'm very curious as to the story. Of I would love to know the about. story, yeah. and the, I'm certain that they have to have some type of Christian or Catholic background, because how would you even be in touch with the Latin of the church? And and a lot of times, even, you know, I say this back in the 80s, that, you know, they, they weren't using a lot of Latin in masses then. You know, they kind of took it out, and now it's kind of coming back, which is great. You know, so so we sing that at mass. Kyrie eleison, right. you know, um, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, you know. So, so now I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to mass without humming this this song from Mister Mister. I'm sorry, but I I just can't get this image out of my head of a, a young Paul George and his his T top Camaro with his member only jacket and maybe a mullet just singing these words and having no like. 
Like, I had I no, no idea, clue. no uh, clue, no clue. But okay, admit there's been songs that you hum or sing, and you're like, I didn't even know, I didn't even know the words. No doubt, I mean, there still are the the pop hits these days. Because half like, the songs that we enjoy, it's the beat or the rhythm, right? Yeah. And then some of that's bad because you you'll end up singing lyrics and like something comes out and you're like, ooh, that wasn't here's, that wasn't good. Here's a fun conversation. So, you know how the rock anthems of the '80s have tended to be a little bit more iconic right. in, is in regards to musical his, mm-hmm. history. The reason for that, uh, studies have shown, is that it's very tribal in man to, to answer to this high-pitched war cry from mm. a male, which is exactly what 80s, 80s yeah. anthems were. It was a high-pitched male like sending the battle cry, and we respond to that in a, in a more primal way than other, which may be beautiful forms of music, but like there's just something in us that just loves Bon Jovi doing its thing, right? Yeah, totally. You want to just put your hand up in the air and just, <laughs> you know, run into battle. But no, I, I, did, I did have a members-only jacket, but uh, I didn't have a mullet. I never had a mullet. So what what hairstyle were you rocking in the eighties? So I had more of the punk hairstyle with like sticking up, you know, a little bit, and then uh, um, at some in point school? in high school, um, no, so I was in high school in the early nineties, but I had uh, had lines shaved in my head. Nice. I mean, that was the deal, man. But I never had a mullet. Now I had friends with mullets. They didn't have many friends. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's wedding picture, but they have mullets. My dad's wedding picture is like him and four of his groomsmen. With mullets, and then one of them just with regular hair. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, that was fascinating. But I want to leave you this because last week, Casey, if if you uh, people missed it, we had a great conversation with Jim Beckman. But we talked about doing, you know, doing something different during Advent and Christmas season. And I'm often depressed by the news out there. And any time I turn on the news, on the radio, on the TV, it's all bad. Like, I, there's never, like, good news. Every now and then, they're like, oh, we want to show you this story. And they're competing for an award to see who they can make the saddest, like, it, it, <laughs> it can depress you more. Yeah, it's so depressing. And certainly I know that we need to know what's going on in the world so we can pray, we can take action. And really, I find that that where there's good news is that good people do good things in bad situations, right? Like we, we mm-hmm. step up and that's what we're, we're meant for. Uh, and I was reading this article of this woman who, and, and husband and, and wife that had two kids. Their kids got older and they saw a need in their community. Look, they adopted 35 unwanted children, 26 of these with special needs. Adopted into their family. 35? 35. Look, and they're all different races, where, colors, where they shapes, from? and sizes. Let's see. They're somewhere. Um, it reminds me of the that documentary called The Dropbox. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this no. or heard about no, this? No, no, no. It's basically that. So in, uh, I want to say Indonesia, I'm throwing this out there, you know, a Pacific... Asian yep. country. They made this thing to where people just dropped off their unwanted babies because oh, they were just leaving them in the street. So they made this anonymous drop box. And so this has caught on and other places in the world have done this. However, it's amazing. So they end up with like 20-something special needs wow. children in this kind of semi-unofficial orphanage type situation. Yeah, and I'm not telling people that this is what they need to do. I'm just loving the fact that these people stepped up what God was asking them to do to make a difference in the world. In the midst of tragedy and suffering, this is where good happens. And this is exactly what happens at Advent. In the midst of pain and suffering, Jesus enters the world and calls us to a different life. The Paul George Show will be right back.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, a co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. We'll hear from our guest, Andrea Thomas. Welcome back to the show. It's Paul George in studio with Casey Tronha. Excited to have our guest today, Andrea Thomas, Cincinnati, Ohio. Lives sparingly in Covington, Louisiana. Tours with the Vigil Project, <laughs> and uh, she's all over the country. Andrea, how you doing today? Paul, thanks for having us. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Uh, so, so where are you on the planet right now? We just got to Bowling Green, Kentucky. Bowling Green, Kentucky. I'm starting to talk like I'm from Kentucky. Yeah. Um, last night, and we've got a show here, um, an evening of worship here tonight in Bowling Green uh, tonight, and we're off to Toledo and St. Louis after that. Gotcha. So Andrea is on tour with The Vigil Project. That's at on Twitter, at The Vigil Project or TheVigilProject.com. It's an amazing uh, experience of worship and um, uh, within the church. We'll, we'll get more to that. Uh, you can find Andrea and, at Andrea Thomas on Twitter. But Andrea, before we get to The Vigil Project and this amazing mission that you guys have uh, with your worship music, touring with Greg and Lizzie and yourself, and who else is with you guys? We have um, John Finch is a musician out of uh, out of New Orleans, and he's here. And then we also tour with Sean uh, Williams, who uh, we're, he's the founder of Paper Castle Records. He's our basically has done all of our audio engineering, and he also plays uh, violin for us. And we've got a couple awesome other musician friends on tour with us too. Gotcha. Okay, so you're from Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, and grew up there. Or whatever. How, how did you get into your faith, and then ultimately land with with doing music? Yeah, it is. It's a funny story how things come back around. So I was, a, I went to um, an awesome high school with great performing arts, and that's kind of where I realized that my passion was more than just a hobby. That I really wanted to to really go into the arts more seriously. And um, so my senior year, I really went through that college dual admissions process where you had to kind of, um, you know, go in and audition for these music schools, mm-hmm. but then also you know get in academically and. Right. Um, I went through that whole process, really had it narrowed down to two schools, one of which was Belmont University in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a program called Commercial Vocal Performance and um, a music business program there, too. So both of those really attracted me there. So I went there and um, really loved it. It's an extraordinary, first of all, you're in the heart of Nashville. Right. It's so awesome. Um, being 18 and being there is amazing. And then you're just surrounded by so much talent from literally all over the world. I remember I had a friend from Russia that was a violin major. It was just incredible. Um, and then, but at the same time, I loved it, but I also was very restless. Like my spirit was just so restless from being in these music theory classes and different choirs. I was just, the classroom was just creating so much. I was so unrested. Right. And, uh, and so I, I saw, I remember finals week of my freshman year in December, I had pulled an all-nighter to stay up to study, and I was like, okay, I can't fall asleep, so what's the other option? I, I guess I better go to the gym and work out to keep my, myself awake. So I went to the gym, and lo and behold, there was this sign that said, VeggieTales Auditions no on way. my way to the treadmill. And I was like, VeggieTales Auditions? Now, I'm one of nine kids, so I knew exactly what VeggieTales was, and I'm like, are they casting for a new cartoon character are they casting for and it turns out that they were auditioning for their live show um it called veggie tales rockin tour live 
And so I auditioned and they ended up casting me. So this um, is a VeggieTales tour? Like they go on tour, the VeggieTales? Because everybody knows yeah, the VeggieTales. But like, exactly. was your, so, your dream to be a cucumber or what? I know, right? Well, a tomato, but close enough. But I, I, I went and it was one of those things where I didn't even know really what I was auditioning for. And they did audition for, um, you know, the characters of like, you know, the, the characters themselves, okay. Bob and Larry and the crew. Okay. But they casted me as kind of their human best friend that kind of danced and sang with them through okay. the two-hour show. So you are um, you. You didn't have to wear a, 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 a mascot suit. Right. So I was human. So that was a plus. And um, so that was good. And then we, it was actually 50 cities. Um, all over the United States and Canada. And we did two shows every day, a different city every day. So it was a hundred show tour. It was nuts. Wow. Wow. Your first tour is with a bunch of veggies. That is amazing. I know. Like Bob and Larry were my bunk buddies. I'm serious. <laughs> it was, but it was, it, but it was, but honestly, and I remember my parents almost having a heart attack when I told them I wanted to go on tour with veggie tales and take a semester off school. But it ended up being the best internship kind of opportunity I right. could have asked for because I got my first taste of the road. I was the youngest person on the road. I learned so much in those two and a half months. It was extraordinary. Everybody's a fan of Veggie Tales, at least back in the day. So, so you're on tour with these guys. Anything funny ever happen? Oh, literally, I feel like I, I still like look back and I'm like, did that happen? Like I remember this one time there was. Um, we had this amazing, just this huge guy that was our, our sound guy. Um, Daigo Aferakea is his name. He was mm-hmm. just the most epic dude. And I remember um, we all had, of course, our, our in-ears that we could hear what was going on. Um, you know, if we had any problems or whatever, that was also part of my job is I kind of had to keep things going if there was any malfunction or anything that I needed to kind of keep the crowd occupied. Because it's live. It's a live show. Totally. Oh, yeah. 100% live. Okay. And, uh when you're in these costumes, actually the same designer um, as if you've ever seen um, The Lion King on Broadway, Michael Curry is the designer of those costumes, and gotcha. he designed our costumes. And the way that they work is it's almost like this big um, the, a backpack that keeps the costume inflated, and these costumes are like eight, nine feet tall. Whoa. Well, if you lose your balance, you're down for the count. And I remember um, <laughs> Larry was behind me in this one scene. No, Larry, and, uh, Larry's I which heard, one? Where Larry's? Larry the Cucumber. Okay, Larry the Cucumber. So, like, eight and a half feet tall, cucumber, and uh, make everybody laugh, and he's great. And I remember all of a sudden hearing this thud behind me, and I kind of turn around, and Larry, who usually stands vertically, is completely horizontal <laughs> on the ground, fell over. And I remember just hearing in my, in my in-ears, Daigo going, veggie down i repeat veggie <laughs> down and i just remember being like oh my gosh what are we gonna do to get this guy off the stage the kids were traumatized that's amazing time. so what'd you do you had to play it off or what i pretend yeah i think i said something like larry it's not nap time what are you doing <laughs> that's you know amazing. so then we got him quickly off the stage <laughs> <laughs> dragging the cucumber off oh that's awesome <laughs> that is so good uh, so so how do you go from you know, you're studying music, college, and, and then you go on tour at a very young age to, to kind of get involved in your faith and beginning to sing and, and write Christian music. 
Well, I, it's funny because it actually segues directly in, into what you're asking. I remember being on an off day in Atlanta, Georgia on that tour when you just don't know when the spirit is going to convict you to take a different turn in your life. Right. And I remember, I just remember it being in Atlanta. It was an off day. And I remember feeling like he was asking me beyond all reason because my entire network was in Nashville. My entire career up until that point was in Nashville. And I remember feeling like I was being called away from this entire scene. And I, I was, was in denial. And I remember really feeling convicted to um, apply to where I ended up going and graduating from, Franciscan University. Um, totally changed gears. And it was one of those things that, you know, he loves us too much to leave us alone. I could not shake the, the knowing that this wasn't for me anymore. But I went kicking and screaming. But I also... Like I said, it was so much restlessness. I couldn't go back to Belmont. I just knew that that wasn't what I should do. And so I transferred to Franciscan. As much as it was difficult, that's where I found the peace. And, um, wow. and I, so I, I went to school there, studied business and theology, and then graduated, started um, working soon thereafter for um, the Steubenville Conferences, which I'm still very passionate about. I love their, their ministry and that's when I really um, honed in on um, writing through college in those post-college years. And um, my career really, I felt like God handed it right back to me. We have such a faithful father mm. because he knows our desires. He made us. Um, he knows us. And I just know that uh, when I met Colin Ray, who's a country artist um, at a benefit concert, um, it kind of was all history from there because he invited me to sing with him on his hymns record, Colin's a Catholic convert. And yeah, then so, um, my so, first record came from there. So yeah, well, Casey and I, uh, I love eighties music and I, I know Colin Ray, I grew up <laughs> listening to him. Um, so that's crazy. So you meet him, he's a country artist. I mean, he, he had some number one hits and then you end up singing with him a little bit. Yeah, 15 number one hits. I mean, I remind him I was in fourth grade when I was like singing his music. He doesn't like that. He's like, I was 10 when I wrote that song. I'm yeah, like, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, he was there. I actually didn't even know he was there. It was a benefit concert for cystic fibrosis that I did um, a couple years in a row. And they said, hey, you know, it was right before I was supposed to go on. And my role was very small compared to his. And they said, Colin is here. Would you like to meet him? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, of course, I, I would love to. And and so he actually was so gracious, came out and heard me sing, invited me on this hymns record that he did a few months later. And then I was like, okay, I guess this is time for me to, to really finish my first project. And, uh, and it went, it went from there. So, wow, that's crazy. So man, your journey from, from Nashville to Franciscan university, which is, is a great Catholic college, uh, mm -hmm. you know, kind of got reinvolved in your faith and then what God has done. I'm really excited to talk about the vigil project. So those who are listening, talking to Andrea Thomas at Andrea T music on Twitter, and we're going to get to the conversation about what you guys are doing now, like what, what God's spurring you on to do with the submission of the vigil project. Um, so it's fascinating. You guys are in Bowling Green, you're on tour uh, for Advent and you guys tour during the liturgical seasons and, and do this amazing, uh, you know, music um, that we can find online, and, and we'll talk more about that uh, in just a moment. So, Andrea, you'll stick around. we come back in a minute. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So no veggie down, all right? <laughs> no veggie down. <laughs> no, no, no veggie down. Although you're touring with a couple of vegetables now, uh, I'll get back to it. So anyway. You got Paul, that right, man. Yeah, Paul George Show. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, a co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. More from our guest, Andrea Thomas. Welcome back to the show. Paul George in studio. Great to be with you today talking to Andrea Thomas, Andrea T. Music. Uh, you're in Bowling Green, uh, Kentucky. Is that where it is? Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yeah, I, I've been through there, but there's not much there. Um, but you guys are there on tour. You're kind of you're, you're doing a tour with the Vigil Project. It's the VigilProject.com. Now, for those who, who who don't know about the Vigil Project, this is you guys' second project of the Vigil Project. Um, what is it? Explain uh, explain to us what the Vigil Project is. We are essentially a group of musicians, songwriters. Um, videographers, sound engineers. We even have a photographer that's part of our team. And we all, um, about a year ago, almost exactly, we were um, kind of talking amongst ourselves. A few of us were, were friends, and then uh, the other people that are now part of our group were friends of friends or um, somehow connected to our group. And we just found a similar desire um, for art within the church and, and more explicitly providing the church with resources and tools to pray with, specifically during these, you know, sacred seasons of the year. Right. And um, we have just been really, really blown away. We, we put out, like, multimedia resources, so we do live recorded music series. And um, our first one was for Lent and Easter of 2016, so earlier this year. And we were quickly viewed in, like, something crazy, like 100 countries and... Um, we we were just so blown away with with what God had done in such a short period of time with with our art, and uh, so now we just re- we're releasing our second series for Advent and Christmas, and simultaneously uh, going on tour and kind of sharing it with with parishes and and the grassroots church. Yeah, I mean, people, you got to log in and listen. Uh, it's free online, but the music's phenomenal. Okay, so it's really well done, and you know, you guys do the music, write the music, sing it, record it. Uh, around mm-hmm. the liturgical season, so if people are listening now, you're 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 coming up with with season two, I guess you could say, uh, project two with Advent and Christmas 2016 songs, and they're online. So it's crazy what God's done in your life. I mean, so you go from touring with vegetables, um, <laughs> which, by the way, have you ever have you ever gotten a fight with a kangaroo? That's Is a, this a joke? I'm going to wait for the punchline. <laughs> no, it's a yes or no question. No, uh, well, not that I'll admit to. Okay, so if you had a dog like that you really loved, and a kangaroo had it in a, in a headlock, would you punch the kangaroo? Ooh, um, you know what? I hate to. I'll say no. It's a wild kangaroo, not a pet one. Okay, well then, no. I would probably bolt the other direction. <laughs> That's what Casey would do. <laughs> Casey would run from the kangaroo. Anyway, um, so so you you get so God just kind of brings you together with this amazing group of artists, musicians, songwriters for this ministry. And it, it's, it's fascinating. So each of you guys kind of write and sing songs on these projects. What's going on with this Christmas and Advent uh, project that you guys are doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to your point, it's amazing. You, you don't, hindsight's twenty twenty, And, um, you know, in terms of just where God has taken me with even just my career, it's like sometimes you just have to do the next right thing and he, he takes care of the rest. And, um, there was this huge desire after doing my own, you know, individual music, putting out a couple records by myself for, you know, four or five, six years. Um, I just wanted, I had this huge, and I was praying for the ability to collaborate and I've just been craving just, you know, really wanting to, to lock arms and lock hearts with other people to give back to the church in some way, but I didn't know what that looked like. 
And on came, you know, Greg and Lizzie and John Finch and Sean and Paper Castle Records and 4PM Media, and we formed the Vigil Project. And um, this is our second series we're releasing. And thank you so much for your compliment. We we are working super hard. We want to put out the best that we possibly can. And this season um, of Advent is such a time of waiting. It's a time of family. It's a time of um, you know, uh, kind of awkwardness, if we're being honest, you know, you're around the holidays with your family. It's not mm. always so great. You know, depression is actually at an all time high mm. at the holiday season as yeah. counter, um, intuitive as that is. And so we really wanted a series that was raw and honest and gave music for people that could encounter God because guess what? He came down to earth and it was awkward and messy. You know, sometimes we romanticize the nativity story, but if you think about it, like, Poor Mary, she gave birth in a cave and it was right. probably cold and uncomfortable and, you know, cattle, you know, stuff everywhere. It was just, it wasn't the ideal picture. And right. how often do we feel that about our own families? It's yep. never the ideal picture. It's right. never perfect, you know? So, um, and we're finding that that's resonating with people and it's resonating with us, you know, our team. We just feel like we need this as much as anyone. So yep. we just feel really honored to be doing this. Yeah, I think one of the greatest lies right now in the world, and I'm certain that it's probably always been around, is that, you know, we look around and think everybody has a better life than me, you know, and uh, everybody, you yeah. know, there's people who have these perfect lives. And I think with the advent, uh, no pun intended there, with social media and the, the web, mm. you know, we kind of see people from a distance, but we don't really know them. And we have this, this thing in our head that, that life's so easy for other people. And here's the reality, the reality, right? is the manger. That's the reality. It's the reality for God. It's reality for all of us is that we live in an imperfect world. And I think what you guys are doing is you're helping people slow down during the season and find God uh, or allow God to find them or whatever it is in the midst of their life, right? Yeah. And, you know, exactly what you just said. Sometimes I hear it referred to as the me too effect where Somebody is, you know, vulnerable in their writing in some capacity, whether it's um, literature, music, and then somebody else who's going through something that's difficult maybe reads that, and it doesn't alleviate suffering completely, but it, it kind of causes you to go, gosh, me too. Like, that's how I feel too. Yeah. And ultimately, we're on this journey together as brothers and sisters in Christ um, to the manger and ultimately to heaven. And, um, you know, social media, you can, you know, it's basically comparing your behind the scenes to somebody else's highlight reel with all the filters and all the everything else. And, um, and the reality is that nobody feels put together. Nobody feels like their families are hundred percent functional. Nobody feels that way. Um, but there's holiness in there. And we just looked at the Holy family and said, what can we learn from Jesus, Mary and Joseph in this time? What can we learn? And we learn that they, God works in that. Yeah. He comes right dead in the center of it. He doesn't avoid it. He doesn't, he, he loves it, you know? So. Yeah, it's so true. You know, I'm in the middle of writing this book and, and I'm trying to introduce Jesus in the book, you know, over the course of time. And you can't do it without explaining the Advent story. You literally can't because it's so important for people to understand who God is through the lenses of the Advent story, through through what Mary went through, through what Joseph went through, through what Jesus went through, what God intended and made happen in the midst of all that, that Jesus would come into the planet in the midst of a dictatorship and social you know, dysfunction and anxiety and injustice. And the fact that, that Christ came into the world then makes so much sense for us now because he, he did it for us. Like 
where would we be without that? Yeah, and and exactly. And the other thing too that we really pray through with this season, uh, this uh, series rather, um, is is the role that our our families play within that imperfect scenario you just described, and how sometimes, like we were saying, that this season, um, you know, we we want to invite people to pray with their families, and so as we as a group were thinking and praying through that, we were like, oh, but like we all have things that we're like, but do we actually want to pray with our families? Like that's can be so uncomfortable sometimes, but that the reality is that we're not, we are not going to cause hearts to change. We can just invite people to pray with us. And there's amazing, God can do so much from the monotony of a living room. And that's the exact reason why we, we filmed this entire series in a living room um, Mm. is to kind of highlight the fact that the family is so severely under attack right now. Um, The temptation is to just avoid anything uncomfortable, but that, um, sometimes, and I have beef with this sometimes, but God loves the uncomfortable sometimes. Right. He loves to invite us to something that's deeper and more, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening in, I'm talking to Andrea Thomas, uh, with the Vigil Project, um, you guys are on tour now through Advent and Christmas and, you know, people can find the music. It's free, uh, at vigilproject.com. And, uh, you know, it, it the music is phenomenal. So what you guys are doing with the art is that you're moving, you know, no, no rhyme here intended, but you're moving the heart uh, through the beauty of this music. And this is what God wants. This is what God intends for us, for our hearts and our minds to be moved uh, towards him, right? In relationship with him. Absolutely. You know, the famous quote by Dostoevsky is that beauty will change the world. And we, we believe that so much. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, I think, a temptation sometimes to think that you're too busy to enter into things that are either, you know, beautiful or, um, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's financially the first thing to go with certain schools or programs. It's like you cut the arts. And, but the reality is that we believe that beauty, capital B, God, is present in anything that's good, true, or beautiful. And our desire is to bring the good, the true, the beautiful, um, in some capacity, in some human way, through the senses, and we use video and audio to do that, that hopefully our, our desire is that people can encounter God and, and enter into prayer in a deeper way um, through just this tool that right. we're giving. And um, like you said, the vigilproject.com is all on there. We actually have other resources that you can use with your, your communities, your family, and it's all free. So we hope that, that you will journey with us <laughs> during this season. Yeah, it's free, so you can pray with it, you can share it, and you guys are doing this at Christmas and Advent, but I think I think you were telling me off air is that you guys were working already for 2017 Lent project. We are, and we're, we're scheduling our Lenten uh, our Lenten tour as well. We we love the parish is kind of our our the heart of our our project and our audience is we we desire to journey with communities and parishes and. Um, and, and the big events are fantastic, and we've done those too, and we love it. But I think sometimes the heartbeat of the church is the everyday parish. Yep. And uh, so we really think of that when we put out our resources and we put out our, our, our music is, is the parish. And so we're planning that for 2017. We're really excited about it. Um, God has just been so good to us, Paul. We are just so thrilled to be doing what we're doing. That's awesome. Andrea, thanks so much for being with us. You can find her at thevigilproject.com or at Andrea. Uh, tmusic.com you're great thanks so much Paul thank you so much for what you're doing thanks for having us alright praying for the tour God bless you guys
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, a co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. Here's your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the show. Our intro there, it's kind of 80s feel, Casey. All of your music is 80s. Which I love, by the way. I I catered that to you, sir. I know, it's fascinating. But, you know, I think we could have done a poll question for the show today, if if we could do a poll question. Why not? Anyway, here's the poll question. Would you run from the kangaroo or would you punch the kangaroo? I mean, so... Would you run or would you punch? Would you run or would you punch the kangaroo? Now, it's a wild kangaroo who's got your dog. Andrea says she would run. So this is what we're going to do. You you said you would run. I would run, for sure. I I would definitely stay and go toe-to-toe. So what's your Twitter handle? And I want people to respond to you because I don't want my Twitter blown up. At Paul George II. At Paul George II. Would you punch the kangaroo or would you run from the kangaroo? <laughs> now, we're, we're not suggesting question. violence. We're talking about like a kangaroo attacked your dog, your your best friend. What do you do? You're in the middle of the woods. But just so that the Twitterverse is confused, we're not going to say all that. We're just going to just reply to at Paul George II. Right. I'll punch the kangaroo and just let everybody be a little concerned. Right. You said you would run. Andrea would run. I would stay. I would stay, man. I'm Stay and fight. What anyway, an incredible interview. Paul. Yeah, that was a great interview. Andrea did a great job. And, and you know, the Vigil Project, for a lot of people, this is still a new thing. And so definitely wanted to talk about it because it's a bigger conversation, Casey. Um, you know, I certainly uh, love what they're doing and wouldn't want to talk about it if I didn't. And But more than that, appreciate the art of what they're trying to what they're creating because the church, as you know, as a musician and, and an artist and, and what you do, is is the beauty of the church is art. Absolutely. And the church is able to articulate beauty as a transcendental better than any other institution. It always has. Always has. It always has. And you know, one of the things that I was I was talking to them a few weeks ago, I was I was with their ministry doing doing some work with them and uh their liturgical music has really kind of captured me, you know, and I uh, said, you know, what you guys are doing I was like, let me explain what you guys are doing. I said, have you guys ever walked into the Sistine Chapel? They're like, no. I said, what you guys are doing is sort of like that. When I walked into the Sistine Chapel, there's no music playing, but I am moved by the art. My mind and my heart explodes by the art in there. This is what the church does. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it moves us to experience God through the art. And this is music can do that as well. Absolutely. And again, I mentioned that they that the church can articulate the transcendental beauty. Beauty is the only transcendental that exists in it of itself. It, it doesn't need our cooperation no, to be beautiful. because it is but, God. Yeah, but your cultivation and your formation and the, the taste that you have is able to respond to that beauty that's in the Sistine Chapel mm-hmm. and is able to respond to what's in the Vigil Project. If you've struggled with you know finding beautiful music, beautiful contemporary music at least, right. uh, in the church lately, look these guys up. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that 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 that's what I appreciate about what they're doing. Certainly, you know, we talk about eighties. There's different types of music, and and look, I'm not getting into genres and people's taste, and particularly when the church in, within the church is all sorts of debate. Okay, I, I don't want to go there. That's not what I want about. But I know beauty when I see it, and that's what beauty is about, right? You know what's beautiful when you see it, and this is beautiful work. It's beautiful art. They're talented people who are responding to what God's put on their heart. And the fact that they're writing this music around the liturgical seasons, and I think that's the beauty of the church is around these seasons 
Uh, the seasons are meant to capture us in a time of our life to move us closer to God. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not just there because we have nothing to do. They're not there because it's like, ah, yeah, well, let's just celebrate a feast day or, or let's just celebrate Jesus' birth or death. It's a season because God wants to do something new and grow something in us. And this is what these guys are doing. Yeah, you can tell that this this is a project um, that has come from people who grew up in the church, who have grown up living their life in accordance with the liturgical season. Yeah, so do you have a clip we can play yeah. a little let bit me, of it? Let me pull that up for you real quick. This is at Vigil Project, thevigilproject.com. And that's just the beginning, right? And the video is every bit as good as the music. Yeah, so it's it's video, it's music, it's art, all kind of capturing. Such a beautiful Advent song right there because it's ultimately really what Advent's about, right? Is preparing room in our hearts for God. And I think it was the course of our year, you know, like you said, um, in the last shows, Advent, it begins a new year for us as Christians. Not not figuratively, literally, it's a new year for us. And if 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 you're anything like me over the course of the year, you get bombarded with so much junk, right? And... And this is a new beginning for us. It's spiritually a new beginning. Mm-hmm. And this is what Jesus asks of us, is prepare us, prepare us room in, you know, in our hearts for him, in our lives for him. Carve out space for God. There's this beautiful grassroots movement that is going on in the church. I actually had a chance to interview your friend Audrey um, on a local show here in Acadiana. Audrey Assad? Audrey Assad. Um, and there's this grassroots movement of church artists in the church, recognizing this need for prayerful contemporary music, yep. and they're doing a great job of blending it with the the liturgical music that has traditionally been in the church for two thousand years. Right, and this is it's not the first time it's ever happened, but recently it's breaking away from this idea of like let's take old liturgical hymns and make them contemporary and put them on a hip hop beat or right. a bluegrass track or whatever the case. Right, but rather just taking the two and. Not coming, lo- up, yeah, yeah. coming up with this beautiful blend of Not things. losing the beauty. I think a lot of times we can take something beautiful and actually uh, mess it up. Easily. Easily. Uh, you know, sometimes our own taste or our own blend or whatever just doesn't do right for it. And, you know, art is one of those things that you don't always have to recreate. It's already beautiful. It's already good. And the church has been at it for so many years. And I think a lot of times when you look at art in the world, and I think to myself, the church started this movement. You know, the church was, mm-hmm. was 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 at at the forefront of making art beautiful, b- music, um, 
all these things. And I think it's our job as Christians to recapture what that is, you know, and, and to highlight it. And that's what I like what Audrey's doing or what these guys are doing is they're, they're not messing up the music. It's very uplifting because, look, I get, I get frustrated easy with the, the media and the, the Catholic Church because we have all the tools at our disposal. Right. I mean, we, we have the fullness of truth, good, and beauty. Yeah. And a lot of times we drop that ball. Um, when I was first coming into the church, actually, I heard a homily from a, a local priest named Father Michael Champagne, mm-hmm. who's with a religious community here, and he was venting his own frustrations about how the the church people and their call to evangelization didn't quite live up to what he saw in his own community of his Protestant brothers and sisters right. and how they responded to it and how that frustrated him and blew his mind because of the tools that we have. Right. I feel the same way about things like music, but I can't say that here. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think a lot of times we don't have to recreate. We, we don't. I mean, I, I mean, God already made. And, um, you know, we we're not so intelligent that we, that we can outdo God. Okay. So, so it's already there. We have to respond to God. When we respond to God, I think what Andrew was saying is she simply just responded what God put on her heart and look what they're doing. Right. So they're not, they're not like uh, recreating anything new. They're just capturing what already is beautiful and there's a certain flavor to it and, and it's good. And the reason that when I listen to it, it captures my mind and heart because it is beautiful. And we are, we are made to know what is good and beautiful and holy. I do have a question for you in that line of thinking, because a lot of people, you know, I'm a musician, and so when I see something like this, I'm immediately drawn to it, naturally. I'm off to the light. But a lot of people who aren't musicians have trouble responding to certain works of art. Or Mm -hmm. I say musicians, artists in general. If if you're not that left-brain mentality... How can you, and you're kind of like this, no offense, Paul, but no, you know, you're, you're kind of like this, you know, how do you take this and bring it to prayer? Yeah. How do you I, apply it to your own life? I think we're all created to know what's beautiful. Okay. So maybe not technically, you know, because I'm not a musician, I don't play an instrument and I don't know all the technicalities of what it takes to make it beautiful. But I know when I hear something and see something, what is beautiful and when we call, when we get rid of things in our in our lives that that junk our lives up, it carves out more space to understand and see and know what's beautiful. Everyone who climbs the top of the mountain knows the beauty of that. They don't have to be an artist right. to know that. But ultimately, what God has created us is to not only see beauty, but to respond to that, and then and then to move in our lives, move to action, to to make in a sense uh, art on our own. Like our life should be as that of an artist, Casey, like at the end of our lives, we, we, our lives should paint a picture. And what do we want that picture to look like? What do we want that art to look like? What do, what do we want to speak to people around us and to the world? What do we want to leave behind? And this advent, this new season, we can start anew. We can, we can have a whole new uh, canvas and begin to paint uh, the picture of what we want to communicate to the world. We want our life to speak about and so in a sense without being cheesy we're all artists man and we're called to create beautiful so anyway great show today thanks for being with with me today casey and thanks to andrea thomas the vigilproject.com it's paul george show be back next week god bless